you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Good morning, Church of Hope. We're in this series called Juicy Fruit, How the Holy Spirit Makes the World Better Through You. And today we're unpacking the fruit of the Spirit, patience. Now, let's start with the definition of patience. By definition, patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry. That's a hard definition. In fact, I think mine looks a little bit more like the 2020 toddler candy challenge. Maybe like this. Not till I come back. Okay, be right back. This shit. No, wait till mom comes back. Okay. No, wait till mom comes back. Wait till mommy comes back. No, not wait till mommy comes back. between we know we should wait, we're telling ourselves we should wait, but sometimes we just don't want to wait. Patience is really hard. Galatians 5, through 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Patience is challenging, and the reality is we all have something we're waiting for. Whether you're waiting for a change in your relationship status, or your toddlers to get out of those terrible twos, you're waiting for that perfect home to purchase, you're waiting to give birth to your first child, or you're waiting for that promotion at work, you're waiting for the all-clear report from the doctor. We're all waiting for something. So how can we lean into waiting patiently? And as Pastor Mark has been teaching us in this entire series, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not something that we can muster up on our own, that we can work harder at or be better at. It's only possible through the Holy Spirit working in and through us. So how does the Holy Spirit work patience in us. Now, I see thought bubbles popping up all around this room. I even see them popping up online right now, and I'm seeing what we all think personally patience is or isn't, kind of like my initial definition with the toddler challenge from 2020. So let's quickly identify what patience is not and what patience is. Patience is not giving up. Patience is not not caring about the thing that you care for. Patience is not being apathetic or throwing your hands in the air and saying, whatever happens, happens. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience 
is supernatural. Patience is this firm assurance that God's got this. Patience is the confidence in who you are in Christ while you're anticipating him to do what only he can do. And perhaps one of the most challenging definitions of what patience is, is believing that God's plan, even when I don't understand or don't like it, is good and for my best. So what does God's word have to say about patience? I want to invite you to grab your Bible, or you can check out the big Bible on the screens. We're going to dive into 1 Samuel chapter 1 and Hannah's story, a woman who is struggling in the middle of a wait, something she is waiting passionately for year after year, and how God does something in her. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. Now, he had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Right off the bat, in the first two verses of the story, we see two women compared. There's a contrast. One woman has children, the other does not. We immediately tune into the thing that Hannah is waiting for. You see, in this time, a woman very much found her identity and value in her ability to have children. And right in verse two, we see that Hannah isn't able to have kids, the very thing that she would desire the most. And it's put in front of her face every single day. She is saddled up to a woman who can have lots of kids, and here she is, and she can't have any. So how does she lean into waiting and trusting God when day in and day out, she's faced with seeing the thing she doesn't think she can have? Let's continue in verse 3. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? While we're in a waiting season, we will have two voices speaking to us. One, provoking us, trying to irritate us, prevent us from becoming who God made us to be, from trusting God in the wait. And then the other, like Elkanah to his wife, will be encouraging us, leaning into compassionately loving us and spurring us on in our wait, not deterring us from patiently waiting on God. So the question for us in the middle of our waiting season 
is what voice will you listen to? Will you listen to the Peninas who are provoking you? They're trying to irritate you. They're trying to get you to give up, to settle, to not wait. Or will you listen to the voices who are encouraging you? And sometimes encouragement can come in the form of hard questions or accountability. But will you lean into those trusted voices who love you and want to see you trust God in every step of your journey? Let's continue in Hannah's story, understanding that to wait well, we must choose what voices we listen to. Verse 9 continues, Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. Right here is where we see transformation in Hannah's story. You see, we just read that year after year, Hannah and her family went up to the temple to pray and seek God. So we know that this has not been a short wait. Year after year after year after year, she's praying. But this year, this day, something different happened in Hannah. And I think it looked a lot like Hannah bringing her true, authentic, raw self before the Lord. Now, the Bible doesn't tell me what it looked like when she went up and prayed year after year. But I can draw on my experience. Year after year in my wait, I can find myself putting on a mask before God, going before him saying, God, I know I just turned 30. I know I want to get married. Just bless me with a husband. It'll be okay. And then I go on my day, and I act like everything's okay. But deep in my heart, there's a disappointment. There's emotion. And it's easy to stuff that down. I think what Hannah discovered on this particular day in bringing her deep anguish, her raw, authentic self before the Lord was that in order to wait well, we must give to God the thing we're waiting for, but that can only happen with one posture. It can only happen when we're willing to risk getting on our knees before God, when we're willing to risk bringing our raw self before the Lord. She wasn't putting a mask on anymore. She wasn't covering up her sadness. She brought her deep anguish. She was weeping bitterly before God. And as we're waiting, and each and every one of us in this room, at home online, we all have a different story. We're all waiting for something different. And we have real emotions in our wait. What would happen if we brought that to God? God can handle our emotions. In fact, he invites them. James 4, 7 through 10 says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. 
really serious, catch this, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. God can handle your emotions. He invites us to get real and authentic in the pain of our weight. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, what Hannah discovered that day, unlike any other day, was in bringing her true self, her emotions, her deep pain and anguish before the Lord, she discovered that patience wasn't something she could do on her own. It was something that the Holy Spirit was gonna work in and through her. And it was the only way she could wait and trust God. So our question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? At home, what are you waiting for? And are you willing to get down on your knees to lay all of your emotions before him and to give back to God the very thing you're asking him for? That's what Hannah discovered that day. She got real, she prayed for a son, and she said, God, I will give him back to you. So what happens when we live in this posture? First Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, if you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 12 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. In Psalms 37 verse four, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. You know, to delight means to desire greatly. And it's when we're in this posture, being real before God, not trying to cover up how we feel, but being real in our weight, that our desire for him, the intensity is turned up. We can worship him without any hindrance. And this verse, it's not a, a magic genie. It's not one of those, okay, just because I brought it before God and I delight in him and I desire him, he's gonna now answer all my prayers how I want him to. I don't know the ending of Emily's story. I don't know if I will ever get married or not. But I do know that as I'm here in this posture and I give to God the thing that I'm waiting for, he's going to continue to mold and fashion my heart after his best plan for my life. And you remember a couple minutes ago, we said that patience is trusting that God's plan, even when I don't understand and I don't like it, is for good and my best. 
So when I'm here laying it before him, even if I don't get it, I can stand confidently knowing that his plan, it is for my good and for my best. To wait well, give God what you're waiting for. So what happens next? Hannah's on her face. She's being honest before the Lord. We're going to pick up her story again in verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been here praying out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered her, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Not everyone is gonna understand the posture in which you wait. Culture doesn't understand waiting or the gift of waiting. Everything is about instant gratification. From Instapots, which who doesn't love a good Instapot, to Grubhub or Uber Eats, to Amazon Prime, we don't like to wait. It's countercultural to wait. Now, when Eli didn't understand Hannah's posture before the Lord and how she was waiting, he confused who she was, how she was responding. But I love Hannah's response to Eli. You see, she didn't take offense at what he said. She didn't try to defend herself. In fact, she confidently looked him in the eyes and she said who she is. But she didn't define herself by the things she was waiting for. She didn't say, I'm a woman who can't have kids and I'm heartbroken. She said, I am a woman pouring out my soul to the Lord. We're not defined by the thing we're waiting for. You are only defined by who you are in Christ. So to wait well, know who you are. You don't have to walk around saying, my name's Emily, I just turned 30, I'm unmarried, I'm not talking to anybody. <sighs> but I trust the Lord, bless my heart. <laughs> All I have to say to people is, my name is Emily, I am a daughter of God, and I'm trusting him in my weight. That is it. And what's powerful about Hannah's response to Eli and Eli's blessing to her is he never knew the things she was waiting for. He never knew. He never knew she was praying to have a child. She declared who she is to him, and he blessed her and sent her on her way. To wait well, know who you are. Walk in your identity of who God says you are, not in what you're waiting for. Now, Hannah's story wraps up in verses 18 through 20. 18, she says, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. I love how the message describes that her face was radiant. You see, Hannah discovered what it looks and feels like for the Holy Spirit to work patience in and through you. When she left that day, her situation had not changed. The thing she was waiting for, that thing that she laid before the Lord in her rawness and honesty, 
She didn't get up and magically have an answer, but she walked away radiant, no longer downcast. We can wait well when we trust God and we invite God to do this supernatural work of patience in and through us. You see, Hannah, she knew how to wait well by choosing what voices she listened to. She chose who she allowed to speak into her story and what voices she embraced. She discovered what it meant to wait well by giving to God the things she was waiting for. And she discovered how to wait well by knowing who she is, her true identity. You can read later in her story that God did end up granting her her heart's desire. She did end up having a son who was a part of God's greater plan for the land of Israel. But it all started with her getting honest and allowing the Holy Spirit to work the supernatural, juicy fruit, fruit of the Spirit, patience in her life. Now this morning, I wanna introduce you to another warrior who's in the middle of her wait. Hope, will you help me welcome Tammy Blanco this morning? <laughs> As Tammy's making her way, you know, in November, we prayed for Tammy's son, Jose, as he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and given months to live. We'll head over this way, Tammy. We prayed again at Christmas Eve Eve at the farm, praying for God's healing over your son, over Jose's life. And then a couple months ago, we rang the bell here on the stage. It's the miracle of all miracles. That brain tumor was declared completely gone, right? Praise God, absolutely. And it's easy in moments like this to feel like the story is tied up with a bow, but we know it's not over yet. Jose's still on a healing journey. So you're still as mom in the middle of the wait. And we've heard Jose's story. Jose, we're celebrating with you. We also know, mom, you have a story in the middle of this, in the middle of your wait. So unpack for me what we discovered in Hannah's journey. How have you had to decipher voices you've listened to on this wait? Good morning. With, with our initial diagnosis um, that we received in November, my husband right away um, sitting in the hospital in Miami in the ICU said, don't be a Google doctor. So that's the first thing. He bans me from going on the internet. And um, he said, you know, the doctor's prognosis is only their opinion. It's not God's final word. Um, you know, when they tell you that your son has six to 18 months of life, go home and, you know, live the best that you can. That wasn't easy. That, you know, Growing up as a Christian, you know, you have all these people around you telling you you need to have faith and you need to, you know, if you cry, it's because you have lack of faith. No, I, I had faith. I know the God that I serve. I just couldn't understand why this was happening to my mm -hmm. son. And I couldn't understand with every MRI why this thing wasn't gone and it had just not disappeared. Um, so I think that was just putting yourself in a space where it's okay to grieve mm -hmm. and it's okay to have real emotions and feelings, yeah. but always knowing that you have to listen to God's word. So mm -hmm. right away, I just, in the hospital, I remember telling my son, 
because you honor us and because you've obeyed us, he mm -hmm. promises to give you long life here on earth. And Jose's been a wonderful son. So I just started praying scripture over him. Mm -hmm. Psalms 91, I prayed it over him over and over. And even in my Bible today, I scratched out and I wrote his name because Jose has honored God. Mm -hmm. Because Jose oh, you know, loves so God. You know, those promises will be fulfilled in his life. Yes. That's powerful, Tammy. And I love how you even unpack, don't be a Google doctor. Like how practical and tangible, right? I mean, we're in the way we look to Google, social media, um, doctors' voices, people's opinions. And there are certainly a time to filter, right? And we filter all through as you unpacked God's word. You know, how are you giving to God as we saw in Hannah's journey? You're praying for your son's healing. You're declaring that over Jose. How are you giving back to God the thing you're asking him for? That's a tough one because I didn't do a really good job in the beginning. Um, what many of you don't know, when we rang that bell, um, yes, Jose was declared that the tumor is dead. Um, but with anything, the doctors will always tell you it can reactivate. Mm -hmm. So you still, you know, you have faith, but you live without worry. Um, that worry is always there that you're yeah. going to lose your child. And when doctors at Duke tell you, go live your life, but eventually this tumor will take your child. Mm. It's like, what? You, you know, yeah. it, it, that's hard to wrap your head around. Um, after Jose gave his testimony, um, Jose was a, is a senior at UF. He, was, uh, he had nine classes to be an electrical engineer. He, since a little boy, we always knew that he would go into the ministry. And on April 6th, he decided that he was going to leave UF and he signed up at a Southeastern University starting the fall to become a pastor. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, on April 7th, Jose couldn't wake up. Mm. He just fell into this deep sleep and we thought, okay, it's because he's, they're getting off of yeah. steroids. And, but it was much more, he had what's known as a non-traumatic brain injury from the chemo and the radiation. So Jose just woke up one morning, couldn't wash his hands, hmm. couldn't, you know, just self-care. He just couldn't do certain things, button buttons. Um, many of you know that Jose plays on worship team. He does tech in the back. He, he was able to pick up his guitar, play chords, but he doesn't remember how to play songs yet. He will, God will uh, bring that all back to him. But we're still in the middle of it. Yeah. And we're still dealing with it. And, you know, Jose, through this valley, you know, God became the God of the valley. And my son got us through, and, and he would tell me, Mom, God isn't scared of your insecurities. Take them to him. Hmm. He's not intimidated by you. Yeah. So tell him how you feel. And I had a lot to tell God. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. I, Bring it. <laughs> I had a lot to tell him. And I... I'm thankful for his faith. I'm thankful for my husband because there was days that I would tell God, I just take me, mm -hmm. take me. And my husband would tell me, don't you want to see Jose's mm -hmm. healing? I said, if it's not today, I can't wait. Mm. Um, so that, that it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's not easy, mm -hmm. but I will tell you that God, you know, we don't always feel him, but we have to know him. Yeah. And that's something that I try to teach my kids every day because this is Jose's Valley. When Jose was going through chemo and radiation, mm. he was lifting us up. This has been his valley. And there's been moments where he has said, Mom, I don't feel him. Yeah. 
where is he? Where did God go? And, and I tell him, we need to know him. And when you're going through a struggle, and when you go through something that's so just heart-wrenching, this mom that's in the audience that lost her child, God is your God in the valley. He's yep. not going to leave you. And you're going to find him because yep. he's walking with you. And we don't know how that happens. Yep. We don't. When I got back from Miami, I wanted to die. I didn't know how I was going to make it through. Just to get up and go to work every day was a struggle. Mm -hmm. But God walked with us every single day. And he's going to continue to do that. And he is going, you know, Jose's life, it, you know, God has his days. And he mm -hmm. knows the day he was born and he knows the day he's going to take him back to be with him. And it doesn't matter what doctors say, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter what the prognosis is. I believe that one day we're going to have a clean MRI. Yeah. One day Jose is going to stand on the stage and tell our family here at Hope that his tumor is yeah. gone. Yeah. It's gone. No. We never have to worry about it again. And that's our hope. And I love the rawness and the realness that you're sharing with us today because anyone who has had the privilege of interacting with you over the last several months, and I can speak to this personally, has experienced that radiance, that light joy and countenance but it doesn't mean you haven't had a struggle it doesn't mean that you don't have intense emotions and that's the beauty of and why I wanted you to meet and hear Tammy's story today it's easy to look at Hannah's story in the Bible and we see it gets wrapped up at the end we don't know how the end of this journey unpacks but we do know that you can walk confidently in who God says you are and who God says team Blanco is because of what you're inviting him to do in you in the midst of the wait. You know, as we kind of conclude some of your story this morning, how are you, Tammy, continuing to remind yourself of who God says you are, you as mom? We're declaring these promises over your son. How are you reminding your heart of that? I would say I just, every day, worship is a big part of our households. We have on worship every single, that Alexa knows every song to play. Sometimes I get mad yes. at her though, she doesn't listen to me all the time. But Jose talks to her nicely and she listens to him. Um, but I would say worship and just staying in his word and praying even when you don't wanna pray, read his word even when you don't wanna read his word. We started journaling um, and I go back and I reread things and I just remind myself there was never a time that God failed us in the waiting. There's been a lot of waiting with Jose, waiting for biopsy results, waiting to get to Duke, waiting to get new insurance coverage, waiting, waiting, waiting. But every time we waited, God hmm. revealed a miraculous healing or a, a miraculous diagnosis. Uh, you know, it, it was just, he's always shown his goodness. Yeah. And I can't believe that as we continue to wait, mm. um, he's not going to continue to do that. And again, we don't know the end of the story. Right. So I have to continue to tell myself, and I told my son very early on, mm. the devil doesn't have you. He doesn't have yeah. you here on earth. Yep. And he doesn't have you when you, when you pass away either. Mm -hmm. Either way, God is going to have you. Yep. And as a mother... I have to remind myself, 
God gave me this child, but he doesn't belong to me. Mm. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Because I found myself fighting for Jose, like God, you need to keep him here and you can't take him. And I exhausted myself to the point where I finally said, God, he's yours, do what you need to do. And he's unfolding a beautiful story for my son. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it's his testimony that he's gonna use for his own platform one day. Absolutely. So that's how I get through. I don't know how powerful. but I do. Hey, I thank you for sharing with us, inviting us into the middle of your weight. That's not easy. Um, we all are struggling with a weight, and so to then come on a stage and share that with people is warrior work, and I thank you. Hope, can we thank Tammy? Thank you so much. Thank you. I love you. Mm. Hope, we're all waiting for something. As we saw in Hannah's story, and we saw with Tammy today, to wait well, we have to choose what voices we listen to. To wait well, we need to give to God the thing that we're waiting for. And to wait well, we need to invite God to do the work in us that only he can do, working out and in and through every part of our journey, what patience looks and feels like. You know, as we walk off campus today, there are a couple next steps for us to wrestle with. And the first is if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, that's your best next step. The only way to get raw and real before the Lord is to begin a relationship with him. And so today I would invite you to just pray wherever you are at your seat. Right now, you can invite God. God, come into my heart. I believe that you are God. I confess my sin to you. I release control to you. And I ask you to take over. Do something new in me. If you just prayed that prayer first, I wanna say welcome to the family. Absolutely. This is the most important decision that you will ever make. And it is what's going to carry you through any and every waiting season that you experience in life. And we wanna equip you with some resources. So if you just began a relationship with Jesus here in this room, at home online, text the word today to the number 63566. Our team will reach out to you. You can also fill out the connect card at your seat and stop at Hope Connections in the front lobby. But we wanna equip you on this journey. And then if you've begun a relationship with Jesus, as we celebrated with Cyrus from last week, Go public with that faith. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about Hannah's story is when she shared with Eli that day who she is, and she defined herself by her identity in Christ, that she is a woman owning her pain in her deep anguish, but waiting on the Lord, she was able to share the hope she has. You know, when we define ourselves by our identity and Jesus Christ, we're then able to live out our mission of partnering with people to discover hope in Christ. And baptism is a celebration of that. It's a symbol of the personal decision that you've made to follow Jesus. And so if you've begun a relationship with Jesus and haven't gone public yet, go public in water baptism. You can text the word baptism to 63566. You can fill out that card at your seat and our team will connect with you on next steps to celebrate that decision in your world. As we pray this morning, I wanna invite you to do something, to begin to posture your heart. One of my mentors gave me advice years ago that has stuck with me to this day. 
she shared, Emily, when you're trying to control things, you get kind of tense. Your hands probably look like they're balled up in fists, even if not literally, figuratively. I just can tense up. But when you choose to trust God, it's that active decision to release and open your hands. So this morning, think about that thing that you're waiting for. What is it? Is it a career? Is it a child? Is it a relationship? A number in your bank account? A house? Resolution to a relationship that has failed? Whatever that thing is, as we pray, I want to invite you to open your hands on your lap, just in a heart posture kind of a way, positioning yourself to say, God, it's not easy. I heard Hannah and I heard Tammy's stories this morning. It's not easy to give to you the thing I'm waiting for. But today, I'm going to choose to give it to you. Would you pray with me and let's release to God what we're waiting for? God, we love you. What we discovered in Hannah's story this morning, what we are hearing in Tammy's story, it's not easy. Coming before you in the rawness and realness of our emotions is hard. And God, as all across this room and as online, we are releasing to you, we're giving to you the thing we're waiting for. God, I ask that every man and woman here and online discovers and experiences that supernatural patience from you. That we can walk away today, as Hannah did, our faces radiant. We might not have the answers, God. We might not know what comes next but we know who is with us right now and we know who holds our weight. God, we release to you, we give you all the glory. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, I'm excited to continue this series next week, Juicy Fruit, How the Holy Spirit Works Through Us. Peace, have a good day.